Hello and welcome to the studio at home. My name is John Bernstein. In this session, we're going to talk about cloud technology strategies. So let's get going. Keith Baxter, this has been a very odd year. We've changed the way that we work, our approach to working practices. I wonder too whether it's changed our thinking around cloud investments, cloud strategies. Yes, uh, certainly uh, in general with ourselves, it's expedited uh, our cloud technology projects. It's uh, certainly been a, a, a strain and a uh, pressure on our ability to support our on-premise investments. So to uh, put uh, any sort of on-premise uh, technology into the cloud has eased the pressure to support and maintain the technology and hardware. So that, that has certainly put a focus on us to bring those technologies that we've, we have on-premise up into the cloud. The, the new way of work has obviously changed the dynamic of uh, our footprint and has put a, a, another emphasis on our risk register and uh, how we go about our business from the technology side of the house. So we've had to readdress ourselves and uh, look, look internally at how we do our business, again, from the technology uh, perspective uh, and readdress uh, our footprint. So it, it, it has refocused us. Very good, uh, Keith. We'll come back to that refocusing in due course. Rod, the same question to you around investment and strategies. We've got a, a long legacy of being one of 15 brands in a larger group that's been serviced by a large IT department that has, is on a decommissioning route, basically. And when COVID hit us in March in, in Sweden, we lifted the question to our board to see if we can accelerate that, that decommissioning and, and um, separation from our sister company. And my my strategy is you know, cloud first, so it has really accelerated that. We will ask for um, a, a multi-million investment from our board in uh, six weeks' time to to shift away from the old legacy into, into standard best practice cloud applications. And it's actually putting a lot of strain on the relationship between our IT organization and the old traditional IT organization that are, let's say, focused in, in the old way of working, so on-premise and, and a waterfall methodology. So it's it's really enabling in one instance and creating some dynamic tension in another. Very interesting. The nature of that tension, just describe what that means and how you go about resolving it. The tension primarily means, I would say, that there's a clinging on to what you know um, from from maybe some of the people that have been here 10 plus years. And the team that I've recruited are a, a younger team with a new mindset, a new way of working. We're trying to shift much more into business enabling IT. So I, I don't class anything as IT projects. This has created a uh, somehow a us and them between that. How to resolve it? I mean, the ultimate resolution is the separation of both companies from this underlying core, core IT department and infrastructure, establishing two new IT organizations in a desired future state that I think should be again, cloud-focused and being able to be scale-utilised in a small number of external partners. Very good. Uh, Vakosi, the same question to you, uh, changing the way that we do business in this year. Uh, how is that then impacting our cloud investments, cloud strategies? 
I think in the South African context, in terms of delivery of healthcare, to start with, you know, uh, prior to COVID, you could not offer anything over and above advice through a virtual consult. So I think COVID obviously pushed everyone else to start embracing that uh, first from a regulatory point of view. And I think it's really just fast-tracked to what we're probably lacking most of the developing nation in terms of our cloud adoption strategy. But in terms of now having to deal with uh, uh, that kind of data and also now realizing that the future of healthcare from a digital point of view will have to embrace a lot of these wearables and really fast-track the, the cloud strategies for most health organizations, including ours. Uh, we're moving much slower and the rate at which we have eventually adopted uh, cloud in the last couple of months was uh, at uh, maybe 10 times the speed, firstly. Forgive me for interrupting, but you're describing that as an acceleration of an existing journey. Is that right? Uh, Definitely. So it was an existing journey that people thought you could play it out or adopt over two years or however long you felt comfortable with uh, with the hybrid, with your on-prem and, and everything. But obviously when COVID hit, everyone realized that we all need to quickly move there and do it fast. And also as part of the uh, delivery of uh, the uh, services as well from a care point of view, it was obviously moving to that virtual uh, platform and the regulator as well uh, to start embracing that as a start, you know, because that was one of the main blockers in the South African uh, care landscape point of view. Thank you very much. Nick, the same question to you. How has this new way of working impacted uh, cloud investment, cloud strategies? I'm in full alignment uh, with the statements uh, of the previous uh, uh, colleagues, uh, what I can say here is acceleration. Yes, definitely. I can bring examples for where we accelerated uh, our pace towards the cloud. I'm also in line with the statement cloud first. That was always our motto. But the new situation helped us also internally accelerate the pace of this transformation. I can bring the example of the digital workspace moving from adoption rates, uh, I would say 20 to 30%, up to the 90%. Apart from the acceleration, I would like to add the uh, need for stress out of our establishment. When you have an e-commerce site who has traffic, I would say, a couple of hundreds, uh, and you move up to hundreds of thousands, yes, this is a stress out of our overall cloud establishment, which required at the same time an acceleration of the investment, and I would say also brought a little bit forward whatever we had in mind in order to enhance our the overall establishment on the digital world. Last but not least, I think it brought uh, up to the uh, surface all the business continuity plans that our IT department has been discussed for a long, long time with uh, the rest of the functional community and uh, put it in place. I, I think I'm in full alignment with the statement that uh, I think Nadella made it, uh, that uh, in two months we'll have uh, two years of acceleration in the digital transformation due to the COVID. Very good. So it's not just about the adoption of the technology, but it's about the ability to make the argument for future investment. Is that what I'm hearing, Nick? And I can uh, give, for example, uh, statements here from our executive committee that they said, even based on this situation, it has been proved to us that CapEx should not be delayed. CapEx investment towards the cloud should not be delayed. 
Nick, for the moment, thank you very much. Uh, Rob, turning to you, deliberately coming to you last, uh, I guess you've been hearing these kind of conversations uh, throughout this year. I wonder if anything you heard was new, was different. It does. Um, so what we're seeing, you know, we work with a lot of customers and um, I, I guess there's a couple of things that, you know, kind of ring there. We see acceleration uh, of kind of integrating public cloud services with the on-premise services. So, you know, that's that takes some time. Everybody's kind of got a cloud first strategy in some shape or form, um, you know, but we, we see a realisation that, you know, some legacy applications just aren't appropriate to go up there. Um, and and some are so we kind of see that acceleration you know uh, of adoption uh, but as part of that what we're seeing is um, an increased focus on, on I guess two things resilience uh, and by resilience I mean um, being able to put in place you know better automation for delivery of service across kind of both public and private clouds and like a renewed emphasis on trying to get more generalist type skills within the teams so that, you know, they're kind of capable of, of managing kind of it as a whole rather than having specialist kind of stovepipes. I guess that's the first thing. So it's about resilience and making that entire platform more resilient. And then the other thing that was very clearly happened very quickly, and this won't be a surprise, is uh, remote access. So suddenly VDI solutions just uh, went right to the top of everybody's agenda not surprisingly and they're not things you can typically do too quickly in terms of remote access and so on there's security implications all sorts of stuff kind of get driven by that but absolutely i, I guess automation resilience and remote access became uh, extremely important to everybody as we saw and rob to paraphrase what rod said earlier he talked about this strain between the new way and the old way of doing things that it relationship has changed uh, is that something that you recognise? If it is, what do we do about it? So, so yeah, it's difficult. And in terms of service delivery, clearly there's, there's kind of two modes between kind of public cloud and how you've done it for the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, typically, there are two teams as well that we're seeing do that. So, you know, it'd be kind of like, uh, I don't want to say the old guard, but, you know, the traditional way of doing that delivery, you know, and then the new sort of, you know, the new wave, DevOpsy, you know, that, that kind of tension kind of does arise a little bit, I think. So teams are, you know, actively working to, to kind of move uh, what service they can to public cloud to make that a little bit more agile, uh, you know, and get some of those benefits from it. Um, but but in some ways as well, you know, it's just a little bit of an acceleration of what was going on anyway. Sometimes you, you can accelerate those things, but but, you know, in certain projects, they just have to run at the pace that they've always had to run at. And you might want to kind of accelerate that if you can, but it's just a case of have I got enough people, skill, you know, those sorts of things. And not being able to kind of ramp that up extremely quickly means that it kind of carries on going at its own pace. So certain things definitely accelerated. Other things, you know, kind of continue as they are. Rob, thank you very much. Uh, I want to talk about security in due course. But before I do that, a question I suppose a, a proposition, the proposition is this, that this year, 2020, has been the first year that has truly demonstrated the value of cloud, the terrible things we've encountered. We've mitigated them to some extent by the ability to deploy cloud technologies uh, in all of their capacities. So I suppose the question that I have here is, does anyone dispute that proposition? 
So public cloud, um, you know, at the end of the day is just, you know, a collection of servers in somebody else's data center, you know, and, and the real difference between, you know, what we're doing now with public cloud and hosting that we've done for years is, is kind of API driven, you know, that that's kind of like the major difference between the two. So I kind of, I'd argue that, you know, it's, you know, it's a continuation of the same, to be honest. Thanks very much. Uh, I knew if I threw that question open, we'd get a lot of voices uh, contributing. I believe there were another a couple of people that wanted to come in there. Yeah, I, I wanted to come in. I think how I've seen it play out uh, in our case and few of the colleagues in the South African uh, space is that uh, there was also a rush for everyone to move to cloud. And I mean, some have done it not in a way that necessarily worked for their business. Obviously, there are different uh, strategies. So I think there have also been like some painful lessons that people have learned. But the good part is that people have learned quicker. And they fail fast and learn quicker and quickly uh, realign to uh, making cloud work in the way that best suits uh, their business. So there's been a bit of that rapid experimentation, if I can call it that, that has also happened as part of this journey. To say not everyone got it right the first time, but there, were, there was failing quick and learning fast and moving on. That also very good thank you very much anybody else any final thoughts on this proposition around the value of cloud in 2020 yeah i think i agree there with um saying that we, it, we got smarter much quicker on how to use cloud and especially multi-cloud because uh, this sort of single cloud solution um, or single vendor solution was sort of all of a sudden thrown out especially with ourselves and talking to colleagues and then using things like SaaS solutions came to the forefront very quickly. Things like Dynamics and stuff like that. To, for, for us in particular, to expedite getting off on-premise and getting into the cloud, we, our options opened up. Uh, so we weren't stuck uh, to take in Rod's point of bringing in some uh, of the new expertise or the new blood gave us the uh, m- m- uh, more knowledge and more expertise to uh, actually transfer out, if, if I use that expression, excuse me. Um, so there was a, a, a different dynamic was brought into the business. Keith, uh, hold that thought for a moment. We'll come back to multi-cloud very soon. But uh, Nick, I think you had a final thought on the value of cloud in 2020. Yes, and I would like to see it also from uh, the uh, perspective of the services. Give you a very simple example. What uh, COVID wanted from us, for example, in our business, uh, quick planning scenarios, alternative planning scenarios, demand forecast beyond the models that we used to have up to now. I think we managed to do so with the services uh, from the cloud. If it was not over there, we didn't have the cloud establishment and the services from our partners around there, I don't think we would be able to react with the required speed, required agility and uh, the variation of the models. Thank you very much. Keith, I want to come straight back to you as as promised. I want to talk about data security. How are you approaching data security in the context of multi-cloud? Well, I suppose in in a number of ways, um, I default back to the old CIA triad, which is confidentiality, integrity and access with a a little less on on safety. We are a multi-cloud environment um, and with SaaS, I suppose. Uh, we use PaaS in, in, in a number of occasions uh, on our online. And then with the, with the advent of work, work from home, 
um, that's thrown an, another spanner in the works. So um, we, we, we've had to address it in a number of ways. We have a risk, risk register that I, I, I maintain myself that uh, we've had to uh, spend a, a lot of time on um, and manage with our vendors and our third-party risk. Um, we, we've had to uh, manage and monitor uh, a, a lot more and spend a lot more focus on it as the, the sort of the, the jigsaw has changed, I suppose. And you talked about the spanner in the works when it comes to working from home and in the context of security. Just just expand on that. I suppose we have a different profiles of customers, uh, to, to our, our users, but we, we call them customers. Um, we have uh, on-premise customers um, for our stores. Um, we, we can use, um, if we use Office 365 as an example, we can use conditional access for access for those guys. Then we have um, uh, remote workers um, that we have to use MFA, conditional access, etc., etc. Um, so we have different ways of managing them. Then we have, say, developers and IT staff that have uh, privileged access so we have to have different types of access in for those guys that ne- normally would have had access onto our systems within, within our network. Now we have them on uh, home broadbands trying to come in onto our systems to get access onto our systems, privileged access onto our systems to do development, maybe onto one of our web servers, on the back end, onto our staging servers, onto our UATs. We've had to actually uh, readdress how we give them access is it through routing? Is it through VPN, IPsec? Is it something like that? So we've had to we've had to go delve quite deep, and this had to be done, as we all know, and um, it's not just myself, in, a, in very quickly. This happened uh, very quickly, so we had to react. It wasn't proactive. We what we weren't giving this access for. Thank you very much, uh, Rod. A very similar question to you: How have you been addressing the issue of security? Yeah. We we decided to introduce uh, multi-factor authentication. I think it was in May um, because we suffered two fraudulent uh, cases. Um, I think people were more off guard because of the situation, and people working at home. So we 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 lost a. Uh, yeah, for us a significant amount of money, so we decided to introduce multi-factor authentication, which caused a, a a real spike in the number of support calls that we received. Because basically, in in Rod, was was that this year? For, forgive me for interrupting. Was that during this uh, current crisis? We introduced this in I think the end of May, and that caused a, a huge spike in number of support cases. Because in our in our business, we have a lot of creative people. Um, but are not the most technically adept, so uh, that that caused a lot of issues for us. But since then, um, people have become more familiar with uh, with that, and and it's uh, touch wood. We we haven't had any more um, uh, potential uh, let's say attempted security breaches. And uh, and just a thought: Has this changed the relationships? Those senior relationships uh, at the top of IT. I'm thinking of CIO, CTO, etc. Has that changed the relationships? We, we we only have me, so there isn't there isn't any. Uh, we don't have uh, the luxury of we, we've got other people dealing with other aspects, obviously. But no, I I think it's back for me. It's back to the same concept that there's a there's a different mindset of people. Um, I 
it's not like um, it's not like we're just opening things up to all and sundry. But but I think what this situation has accelerated is the need to to trust uh, a small number of partners, let's say intimately, and and that's one of the strategies we have introduced as well. So reducing for a large number of suppliers to a small number of partners, but that has increased the tension between myself um, and other people that have been present longer with respect to security and and it's a constant struggle okay very very good it sounds like uh, the the way to get around some of these tensions is just to have one person in charge it seems to uh, certainly work for you vakosi the same question or a similar question to you uh, around your approach to security for us in terms of the it, it, it was a bit too federated. It was not as integrated, especially uh, between the different analytic tools and platforms. And I think that's why it kind of uh, also affected relationships in my view to say I'm coming more from the data science and more the analytics tools and how that has been impacted. Uh, I think the, uh, both Keith and Rob spoke obviously about um, the authentication element. But uh, then uh, working with uh, the CISO and the CIO guys to also understand their security kind of uh, requirements, I think we have um, made quite big progress in trying to work on what now I call more the cloud uh, security instead of looking at it as just a data thing because I think the minute you do that you start creating silos of how you view this security thing and the solution is much bigger than just data and I think that's what uh, we realized early on and we started collaborating a bit better to build a more comprehensive integrated um, security uh, strategy and we have made quite a bit of progress in the recent few months. That's great. Thank you very much. I'd like to get a, a view on security from Nick and Rob. And then I want to throw forward, I've got a final question for you. I want to throw forward to 2021. Uh, our relationship with uh, CISO was always tight. Uh, was always tight, but uh, I think it has been tightened up even um, further with uh, this situation. But uh, what we have learned and what we have applied is um, how to deal with priorities. I'll give you a very simple example two-factor authentication was a priority since we have all these people working from home. So we have agreed to do this thing first and then proceed with the rest. I truly believe that uh, the cloud, the multi-cloud brings always the security uh, in the agenda. But what the new situation told us is how to operate and put this thing in the right context with the right priorities because we need to operate our business. The relationship with the CISO reminded me the way that we start to interoperate with the chief digital officers two years ago. So just expand on that. Is that a comfortable relationship or is that a relationship you have to work hard on? <sighs> um, let me say that uh, it is the latter, but we try to make it in a fun way. <laughs> Nick, Nick, I won't ask you any more on that one. Rob, just give us a final thought on security uh, before we move to the final question. Sure. So, um, yeah, clearly, you know, we've just been talking about that acceleration to kind of multi-cloud. You know, uh, I think the, the great thing, clearly the great thing about the public cloud is anyone can access it. You know, it's built to do that. And that's, you know, conversely, the, the terrible thing about the, the public cloud is anyone can access it. Right. So 
the the traditional way of delivering security was to have you know perimeter security was what you relied on with your data center um that's gone suddenly and so we're seeing uh absolutely and i agree with everything everybody's been saying you know real focus on data security once it arrives up there in the public cloud and having to you know, look for new ways of, and, and I've said it before, it's about automation of public cloud. So it has to be about de automatically detecting, you know, failure of rules of policies, you know, security rules and policies so that they then automatically remediated as in put back to the baseline that you were expecting them to be in. And, and, and I think particularly when it's multiple clouds, so it's different ways of implementing those policies, depending upon where that service is being delivered upon, that that's actually extremely taxing on on the teams that are trying to support that. So, uh, broadly, what we're seeing is is uh, com companies looking for new tools to aid them with that automation of you know securing and remediating kind of security policies in both places. Very good, Rob. I'm going to stick with you. Uh, this final question will run across the panel. Short answers, please, around about 30 seconds each, if you wouldn't mind. So the question is this, uh, 2021, where next for cloud? Rob? I, I see the, the acceleration of hybrid cloud, absolutely. Um, I see, you know, um, people starting to try and get some of those legacy applications up there and struggling with that a little bit, I think. Um, I think that the the advent of cross cloud management planes is going to help massively with that so a single interface to allow customers to be able to manage as a seamless whole all those applications and services you know is absolutely critical to accelerating that adoption nick same question for you what next for cloud where will cloud be in 2021 uh, for us it's uh, speed lift up shift of our legacy environment and we, I think which is very important for manufacturing organizations the interoperability between the cloud and the edge computing a very important topic for us when you have huge pipelines and huge operations in manufacturing thank you very much Keith uh, the cloud in 2021 yeah um, so the cloud itself uh, and the multi-platforms etc we have no huge issues with so the usability of that moving forward i think rob struck the nail on the head with the single pane manageability of them but the uh, edge uh, the ability to upgrade the edge uh, from an inter for connectivity is where air pain point very good uh, vicosi the cloud in 2021 um i think uh, speed uh, as well on our side and i think just more the serverless uh, element that kind of will reduce a bit of pressure and allow us to focus really more on the core products without the pressure to operate or manage uh, the servers. And I think with also the big data that's uh, kind of like we're seeing in the health uh, care space through wearables and so forth, I think AI in data centers is one of the things that we really uh, monitoring quite closely. Thank you very much. And finally, Rod, the same question to you, the cloud in 2021. Yeah, I think from our perspective, I mean, I think there'll be two parallel tracks. One is that we will accelerate our shift away from the legacy using as, as much um, cloud solutions as we can. And secondly, um, to the course's topic, we, we, we want to gain more data from our key customers. And um, we have a 
terrible record of being able to gather that data through old EDI methods. So I see that being as an enabler to us to get real retail data from our customers. Thank you very much indeed. Rod, Vicosi, Keith, Nick and Rob, thank you all very much. And thank you very much for watching. <laughs>